Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, The Gun Show. My guest tonight is my Calgary-based Rebel colleague, Kian Bexty. We're looking back at the last two weeks of the Alberta election campaign. It's half over. And we are also talking about some of the more recent abuse Kian has suffered at the hands of NDP supporters in Edmonton. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long form TV style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV style shows too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. It's only eight bucks a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. Just go to the rebel.media slash shows to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support The Rebel without ever spending a dime. And now, please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. You're listening to a Rebel Media Podcast. Two weeks down, two weeks left to go. Thankfully, we've finally reached the midpoint in the Alberta election campaign. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. After the first week of the election campaign, I thought this thing couldn't really get all that much crazier. The NDP have been rehashing things Jason Kenney has done 30 years ago as proof of his apparent homophobia, despite his more recent track record of helping persecuted sexual minorities in the Islamic world. The NDP have tried to take credit for pipelines they haven't gotten built, jobs that haven't been created, and fiscal restraint they very clearly have never shown. The NDP really has spent the last two weeks trying their best to paint the United Conservative Party and United Conservative Party voters as extremist, racist, and homophobic. Basically, the NDP have continued their slander on regular Albertans and then just built a campaign for re-election around it. I don't think it's going to work. I think Albertans who mistakenly voted for the NDP last time have learned their lesson about being fear-mongered into voting for the NDP. And noticeably absent in this election campaign is a mainstream media that is doing its job. They aren't chasing down the NDP candidates to ask them tough questions about their own past or their own behavior. And they're not even holding Rachel Notley to account for her decision that she made within her caucus to protect the names of those accused of sexual impropriety. They just aren't doing their jobs. But my guest tonight is doing, well, all that and more. (laughs) Joining me tonight to talk about the last two weeks of the election campaign and our predictions for the two weeks coming up is my rebel colleague, from Calgary, Kean Bexty, in an interview we recorded yesterday afternoon.
two weeks down in the Alberta election campaign, two weeks left to go before our official liberation from our socialist overlords, the NDP. And I don't think anybody knows the file on the NDP quite as well as I do, except maybe my guest tonight. Tonight, joining me from Calgary is my colleague, Kean Bexty, who has been making uh, a lot of NDPers uncomfortable out there on the campaign trail. Kean, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, so let's talk about the wild week that was. Um, you and I are both going around the province delivering our gorgeous orange stopnotly.com signs to help promote my book and I really appreciate you doing that um, and getting those into the hands of the people who need them but uh, for me I really enjoy being out there giving them to the people because you and I I mean we both spend most of our day in the pressure cooker of the internet where all the fake leftist outrage mobs exist and it's been really good to talk to normal people who are just really cheering for us every day and who really just want the NDP gone. Yeah, no, it is. It's been a delight. Uh, you're you're right about the internet. It is toxic, but I think equally as toxic is Edmonton. I mean, <laughs> I I'm from Calgary, so there's the natural uh, dislike for our neighbor city. But I mean, when I went there and was actually harassed for hours on end by five individuals, and then followed for blocks upon blocks upon blocks while I tried to get back to my car by sixteen socialist communist losers. Uh, who were trying to sort of herd me away from uh, Minister David Egan while I was trying to ask him questions that he really didn't want to answer. Uh, after that toxic encounter, I was pleased to go to rural Alberta where, you know, the folks are gentle, they're kind, uh, they, they care about uh, respectful dialogue, and, you know, they're just good, wholesome people contrasted with the people that were at that GSA rally in Edmonton that was supposed to be for the children, Keep in mind, it wasn't just, you know, some some political rally. It was a rally that was supposed to be positive and about children. And these socialists made sure to make it as uncomfortable as possible. Uh, but I, I mean, I got a pretty good video out of it, so I can't complain. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, I like you. I, I suppose I live closer to Edmonton than you do, but I still think it is a progressive hellscape <laughs> that I avoid setting foot in um, as much as I can. Not to say that the people aren't great, but I just think their municipal government is crazy and it is the seat of the NDP. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. But let's talk about that gay straight alliance protest that took place at the Edmonton legislature. Um it was, I mean, I don't understand why, let me, let me ask you a question before we get into this, because I was talking about this actually last night with some um, Calgary Proud Boys. I don't even know how you feel about gay straight alliances. Like, I, I think we talk about work all the time when we talk about policy issues and, and things that are breaking in the news. Um, I know that as far as gay straight alliances go, I disagree with the NDP's forced secrecy, that if teachers, um, think that parents uh, should know that their child is in a gay straight alliance. For example, if that child has said that they're, um, you know, having suicidal thoughts right now as the law sits, uh, those teachers can't tell the parents. I don't believe that anybody should be fostering secrets with anybody else's kids. But I've actually never asked you what your opinion is on gay straight alliances. And, and it occurred to me that if I don't know 
the people who were attacking you simply for trying to cover that gay straight alliance rally, they mustn't know either. Um, so they were just jumping to conclusions about you and they really don't have any idea what you think. All right. So, yeah, I guess let's just dive into it. I mean, I, yeah. I graduated high school without a gay straight alliance and I came out fine. Uh, you know, I wasn't uh, suicidal. I wasn't lynched by anyone. But I understand that some folks might think that GSAs are important and and they have every right to create them if if they deem fit. I think that the issue isn't about gay straight alliances. I think that the issue is that the NDP want to make sure that their parent that children's parents are kept as far away from parenting roles as possible. And and to scrape away all of the rhetoric from the NDP here, what Jason Kenney wants to do is he wants to reverse some parts of the law to bring it in line with nine out of 10 Canadian provinces so that in the event a grade two boy is beaten by his friends because he's gay, the parent doesn't have to hand the kid over to the parents at 3.30 in the afternoon and say, I can't tell you why this happened, um, but here's the kid, he has a black eye, sorry about that. You know, this Jason Kenney wants to protect children here. And I'm not a fan of Jason Kenney, by any means. I think he's a very flawed individual and I think he's a flawed politician. But in this instance, he wants to give teachers some of the mo the teachers, people in our society that we trust probably the most uh, with our children. He wants to give them the authority to reach out to parents in the event that they deem the parents need to be involved. If the teacher knows that the child's parents has a history of abuse, which teachers know these kind of things, don't yep. don't misunderstand that especially elementary school children they're very uh, elementary school teachers they're very involved in the lives of their children and know the parents especially in small communities uh, in rural Alberta which I'm sure th these NDP socialists are thinking that it's the rural teachers and the rural schools that you know lynch gay kids and it's such an evil place for them couldn't be farther from the truth but in small towns teachers are very involved in the lives of children and they know if if they shouldn't tell parents uh some secrets that maybe the child has but in the event that the child is getting beaten or abused or bullied you know or is suicidal in their older years or even their younger years the teachers should be the one the ones making that decision not david egg and not the premier of alberta teachers should be making the decision and that's what jason kenny wants to give them the power to do uh, yeah i think that's a very moderate approach i mean uh, it, it's for me, I just don't think that anything in my child's life I'm, should be kept for me. I'm old enough to remember, if you didn't know what um, what clubs your children was involved in at school, you would be considered a bad and out-of-touch parent, and now that's mandated in the law. I just think it's really weird. Um, and I, 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 I do believe that, you know, if our children are with teachers seven hours a day and they see that a child is struggling what is the problem with bringing in parents? Because the more support a child has around them, uh, the better off the child is. But the government is cutting parents out of the conversation. So I'm with you on that. I disagree. Now, you went to the Gay Straight Alliance rally for the childless weirdos who were down there um, rallying, apparently, in support of children um, who may or may not be gay or are part of these gay straight alliances and it was a wild experience for you thank god you rolled your camera the whole time yeah i had about three and a half hours of footage some uh sometimes overlapping footage because i had a camera 
on my phone going so that I had some eyes in the back of my head when this face tattooed weirdo was trying to knock my knock my phone out of my hands. And, and then there was also someone who was very close with David Egan, the Minister of Education. I don't know if she was a staff member or what. She was a Filipino lady, a little bit short. She came in with David Egan and she left with him. And she tried to flip my shoulder mounted camera off of my back. She did that. And that I, I would think that someone coming to a protest and leaving with uh, a minister from that protest would be a staff member. I have to do some digging to figure out if she is. Um, but it's pretty disgusting what these people did to make sure that there was no uh, no coverage. Because to be honest, the only coverage was a global news helicopter circling overhead. I was the only media personnel that I saw there. So, I mean, why wouldn't they want the coverage? Well, I know why they don't want the coverage because the visual is very weird. <laughs> I've been to one of these things before. I was I've been to the women's march. Um, when you're there, um, you really are able to take in just the sights and sounds and smells of how weird everybody is. It is just not normal. Some of those people I would advise my children not even to talk to, <laughs> and yet they're out there rallying on behalf of children. I think it's very very strange. Also, uh, they bullied you. Not only did they bully you, but trying to break your camera equipment, that's assault. Um, and yet they claim to be anti-violence and anti-bullying. Um, if what happened to, let's say, a global news journalist or, God forbid, a CBC journalist, um, if what happened to you happened to them, um, it would be a provincial crisis. Um, the premier would weigh in about how dangerous it is for uh, journalists out there. But there has been no utterance um, of anybody condemning the sort of harassment and bullying that you were subjected to that day. Yeah, I mean, Jason Kenney sh certainly didn't stand up uh, for us. I expect Rachel Notley to, um, but maybe that'll change. Maybe Jason Kenney is starting to see the light. One of his candidates posts next to one of your beautiful orange signs. So maybe uh, the tides are turning for the rebel in terms of uh, mainstream politicians actually seeing what we do and standing up uh, for our right to to practice journalism. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that. Casey Maydu or Madu, I'm sorry if I'm saying his last name wrong, but he's a, a candidate here in Edmonton. He's running against John Archer for the NDP, who <laughs> currently works in Notley's government. Um, he's basically been accused of white supremacy um, for posing beside that photo. He's a racist against... I don't know, black people. I just saw his campaign volunteers and it's pretty multicultural. But yet the NDP are so wild and so crazy in their proxies and press progress that they actually think they can gaslight the public into thinking that Casey Maydew is a black white supremacist. Yeah, I, it's kind of insane to think that these progressives here in Canada think that a Nigerian Canadian, because <laughs> he's from Nigeria. Is a white supremacist. And I mean, press progress, we know how desperate they are. So they reach as much as they can, wherever they can to connect the dots. Like there's some super sleuth, you know, taking pictures of my glasses and trying to like connect, connect the dots. Who is this person? You know, they, they're tr they try everything that they can. Uh, and you know what else is interesting? The fact that press progress is finally, we're starting to finally shine the light on them 
as the media wing for the NDP. I mean, it was clear before Brian Topp, the uh, I Nolly brought him in to run the government. Basically, he's an executive director or, or or some sort of board member director with the Broadband Institute, which is effectively what runs Press Progress. But in and an NDP wait, camp- and he's back working for the campaign now. So there's your connection right there. Brian Topp is working. working for the campaign. Yeah. They, I mean, it can't be it can't be more transparent than this. Even the NDP uh, attack ad that just came out, it's one of these like new YouTube style ads that, you know, is kind of like BuzzFeed styled almost. Yeah. Uh, they have screenshots taken directly without attribution from Press Progress with their grainy style photo. It's a very it's a very unique uh, wash that they put over their photos. So it makes everyone in their photos look a little bit more you know, creepy. And it, it was directly taken from the top of two different articles, just put on their attack ad without any attribution whatsoever. I mean, they're obviously in cahoots. It's funny, they actually even disabled the comments on their attack ad because they knew that Albertans would just uh, give them a pretty bad, pretty hard time about it. You should uh, you should check out the video if you haven't seen it, the new attack ad. Have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it today you sent me that link and I was looking at it before um you jumped online with me it's I mean they're not even trying (laughs) like it's so it's so transparent they're not even trying it's like if the federal conservatives took everything they um used in their attack ads from the true north report (laughs) and didn't attribute it I mean it's so it's so transparent and so shameless but when they do stuff like that it's so insulting to Albertans when they think that we can't see right through it. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, there's not much else to say other than press progress is largely irrelevant. I mean, it's a little bit unfortunate that the CBC just takes everything that they say at face value. But I mean, what else can you expect from the CBC? This is this is how how narratives are created, right? Like a, a fake news website. It's just some dumpy blog. Uh, publishes something that may or may not be true, then a larger blog publishes the same thing saying, oh, well, they said it. And then Press Progress picks it up and says, oh, look, this blog says it, so it must be true. And then CBC publishes what Press Progress says. Uh, It's called trading up the chain of fake news is what it's called. And then CBC publishes it like it's fact. Uh, And that's how they do it. That's how they push out these stories, uh, trying to destroy the careers of individuals. It's, It's pathetic. The careers and the reputations. Um, One thing I wanted to uh, talk to you about was the fact that you broke the Darren Billis story a good month ago. Um, You did all the legwork. You got his divorce records. You didn't publish them all because um, a lot of the stuff just wasn't in the public interest. But you did uncover um, an affair that he had uh, with another MLA. You also uncovered um, accusations via his wife through a sworn affidavit about drug use and um, lack of uh, paying child support. Now, um, now your reporting has been vindicated um, that other accusations about Darren Billis have come forward. And finally now, because of that, the mainstream media is tacitly asking questions to Notley about it. But I think it is remarkable and a little bit pathetic that your reporting had to go through the rinse cycle of the mainstream media before the UCP could touch it. Yeah, the UCP, oh my God. They, they, this story blew up back, I think it was February. Yeah. And all of 
the people who view our videos who are largely probably um, UCP yeah. members and supporters of the UCP. Uh, I think that's fair to say. It's a fair assumption. They are talking about this, trying to get Jason Kenney to, uh, you know, move forward on this issue that one of the highest ranking members of the NDP government, Darren Billis, someone who was part of the four NDP MLAs who were elected before the Orange Crush in 2015. Um, he, he, he's a longtime NDP staffer uh, and, and MLA, and he has been charged with serious drug and alcohol addictions, something that uh, federal ministers resigned over be, when it when it got published. Uh, he's been charged with you know, kind of messing around outside of his marriage, which I mean, whatever, what have you, but that the problem was that that philandering uh, coincided with the NDP timeline, uh, the NDP sexual misconduct cover-up timeline. And putting those two things together wasn't that much of a jump, yet no one in the mainstream media decided to cover it. Even the CBC journalist who joined me on the United We Roll convoy for the first day uh, talked to me and said, yeah, well, you you did send us hightailing it to the uh, Edmonton courthouse to pick up the documents, but and, and we read them all, but there wasn't enough for us there. There just wasn't enough, so they left it. But they did spend the time to go to the courthouse to read all the documents, so you know that they verified my work, and they just decided it wasn't worth it. Well, uh, I don't know if they decided it wasn't worth it or if the narrative wasn't correct. They, yeah, just... I mean, they tried to bury it as long as they could. And now it's come up again. You know, it's harder to <laughs> hide the truth when it's coming up again and again and again. I mean, uh, Jason Kenney sort of did the same thing to me. Um, when I broke the story using access to information documents about how the NDP knew that, uh, the carbon tax before they brought it in would be largely unpopular. People were rejecting it. They didn't think it would. They didn't think it would get social license back in 2015. Internal um, focus grouping said no. No one's going to buy that. They went ahead with it anyways. Post millennial, whom I consider fellow travelers in the conservative media atmosphere, uh, they republished my work, linked back to my work. And only then did Jason Kenney share it. Um, and it, I mean, it's just, I, I wish they would have more moral courage because it's pretty clear. I'm about as mainstream conservative as you can get. So are you. Um, why does our work have to go through some sort of sanitization process before someone has the guts to say, yeah, they did good work. They published the documents. It's all there. Read for yourself. Um, I just think it's so cowardly. It is cowardly, and I know for a fact, personally, that Jason Kenny reads our work. I know that he watches our videos, and I know that all of his staff watch our videos. Yet, you know, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the uh, sharing it and or even commenting on huge stories of provincial interest, sometimes even national interest, they just decide press progress says they're evil so we better listen to the media arm of the ndp yeah yeah i mean isn't that funny that uh they're so intimidated by those bloggers over at press progress um that they're worried about backlash from talking to me i mean 
hopefully that changes after the election, although it's not going to change the work I do. If they never talk to me ever again, I'll still, um, I actually, I think my job after the election will be making sure that Jason Kenney keeps his promises. And um, Rachel Notley has never promised uh, conservatives much of anything. But I think if Jason Kenney doesn't keep his promises, there will be a real sense of betrayal. And um, that can send us spiraling back into an NDP government. And I never want that to happen again. So I think it is in my best interest and Jason Kenney's best interest if I work to hold him accountable. I'm, I'm keenly interested, as, and you know this about me, I'm keenly interested on in how Jason Kenney progresses on the advanced education file. I want yes. to know what he's going to do with student unions. I want to know if he's going to follow in the footsteps of Doug Ford, Premier Doug Ford in Ontario, who has made serious steps to getting uh, student unions to the place where they're voluntary, where they're opt-in, where uh, students' human rights are respected so that they have the decision whether or not to join a political advocacy union uh, while they while they get their university degree. Because as you know, getting a university degree in this province uh, is part and parcel with being successful. Uh, I yep. mean, even any post-secondary, it doesn't have to be a university degree, going to SAIT or NATE or Red Deer College, uh, you know, that that comes with being successful in life, having a, a salary that you are happy with. Uh, and it's not a choice. So it, it, the, it, is a, it is a necessity to go to university. Therefore, you cannot force someone to join a political union just because they're in an institution to make their lives better and successful. I, it's, it's disgusting the state of student unions in this province and in this country. And Jason Kenney owes it to the members of his party who passed back last year or the year before uh, that the party will support voluntary student unionism. I, it's not in his platform, which is a little bit disturbing to me that he's just completely ignored that file. Uh, but maybe he'll follow in Doug Ford's footsteps. I mean, it wasn't in Doug Ford's platform either, but it was uh, abundantly clear that it was something that he wanted to do. So well, ho hopefully Jason Kenney's going to follow through on that and uh, on a whole host of other files in terms of scrapping the carbon tax. Uh, he says it's going to be Bill 1. We'll see. Uh, and we'll see if it's a full scrap or or just a partial scrap. Uh, we know conservatives in this in this world these days think about uh, Theresa May like to do like like to implement conservative ideas half half acidly. We'll see mm -hmm. if Jason Kenney follows in his globalist pals footsteps or or in the more populist footsteps of of Doug Ford. Uh, your uh, wish list is a little more specific than mine. I just want him to fire three in every two bureaucrats. That's it. <laughs> I just want them all gone. All yeah. of them fired um, because uh, I've seen it firsthand. The bad ideas that become legislation are, are born in the bureaucracy. And then they're fed back up the chain, back up to the assistant deputy ministers, and then to the ministers. And then they're introduced as legislation. Um, most of the bad ideas are born in the public sector. And so I would like to see as many of them out of work as possible, at least 50,000 that Rachel Notley hired. I'd like those people to just run off back to the booming, future booming public sector, hopefully. Some, um, I, I hope they leave the province. I mean, he, she's brought in so many out of province workers. I hope that they are not unemployed if they stay in the province. I hope they find uh, fruitful employment yep. in the private sector. But, you know, if they're one of these out of province shipped in people like Brian Top, I am more than happy to see them enjoy unemployment or not so much enjoy unemployment in the same way that tens and th tens of hundreds of thousands of people mm -hmm. uh, of Albertans have 
had to suffer through through Rachel Notley's four years. Um, now, I think I've taken up a good portion of your afternoon, Kian. Um, I wanted I wanted to ask you um, predictions. Uh, what it, what uh, how many seats do you think the NDP are going to get? Uh, okay, I had a prediction at the start of the uh, writ. I, I wrote it down the moment the writ was dropped, and I, I can't remember it exactly, but I think it was something along the lines of 64 seats go to the UCP, 15 to 16 seats go to the NDP, and one seat goes to the Alberta party. I think that Greg Clark might elbow out uh, Schweitzer. I'm not sure about that. I, you know what? Like, I would be fine with that. I would, yeah, I uh, there's like, a not a lot of UCPers I want to see lose. It's him. I mean, he campaigned on calling us white supremacists and racists no. and intolerant and saying that we sympathize with Nazis, even though our boss is a Jew who sent me to Israel twice. Mm -hmm. um, he he sent out a letter um, trying to uh, basically run his leadership campaign by campaigning against the rebel and rebel supporters. And I don't care what he calls me, but the day he calls our people who support us and cheer for us every day, uh, bad names, maligning them assassinating their characters then he's run afoul of me so if greg clark beats doug schweitzer um i'm supporting the alberta party that day yep and i i, <laughs> I support what i what i want to see is uh oh and to finish off my prediction i think yeah. that i think that the fpc might get zero i'm i'm worried i i want Derek to beat leela just because and, and this gets to the back to the point that i'm i was saying i prefer it when there is a large group of political parties. I, I want there to be that third party like in New Brunswick, like in British Columbia, where the where the Greens have some some seats as well, where there's can be more diversity of opinion. I, I don't I don't want the UCP to just have a mandate for four years because frankly, I don't trust the UCP. I don't trust Jason Kenney to do it. He needs people to the right holding him to the account to account. He needs people from the left holding him to account. And I think that Derek Filibrand would be a great voice in the legislature to keep Jason Kenney's feet to the fire. Um, so I, I, I want the Alberta Party to win in that seat. I want the Freedom Conservative Party to win. Uh, and I, I would love it if an Alberta Independence candidate won as well, because, I mean, that's probably who I'm going to vote for at the end of the day. I would like to see my friend Bernard the Roughneck shake it up in Grand Prairie. Um, I'd love to see his beautiful hair in the legislature one day um i think he's just a game changer we don't have enough common men in politics and uh you know bernard's rough around the edges but so is grand prairie and i think uh that would be a welcome sight in the legislature i think i accidentally called uh greg clark doug clark so if i did that i don't know but i apologize anyways but i predict actually 24 ndp seats and i'll tell you why um because there are 20 seats in edmonton and uh that's heavily weighted in the ndp favor and uh, the ndp are they're hurrying hard on this um, Lake of Fire baloney. And I just wonder how many people are going to get spooked um, by the UCP and not even by the UCP, but just by the fear mongering from Rachel Notley. Um, I worry that there might be some, they might round up some like outlier seats um, outside of uh, Edmonton. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go as high as 24. Uh, yeah, I think the question is how far from the center of Edmonton will the NDP be able to reach? That, yes. I think that's the question. And Calgary Varsity. Calgary Varsity is going to be an interesting one. Anne McGrath, the Cold War communist, 
<laughs> as I'm now calling her, because she yeah. actually ran for the Communist Party of Canada during the Cold War, which should have been treason, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, she ran for the communists and is now running for the NDP and has been running the Notley government from Calgary mm -hmm. for the past couple of years. Uh, she deserves to lose and she deserves to lose hard. But this election was called during the uh, uh, while the University of Calgary is in session and while the University of Lethbridge is in session. So there's there's heavily and, and we both know and I might do a story on this. There's specific voting centers made for students in advanced polls so that they can get as many votes in as possible, as easily as possible, which I mean should be good for democracy, generally speaking. But that kind of effort doesn't doesn't extend to the oil patch. Uh, right. You know, it, it it's only the students that get very specific, long hours to go and cast their ballot right. All they have to do is walk downstairs in their dorm and they can vote for a communist in Rachel Notley. So I think that's sad. And I'm going to do a story on it probably uh, if, if I can get enough information on it. But as you know, as well, Elections Alberta thinks that they're not foibable. So it might take a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, they do think that for some unknown reason. Um, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize. Well, not that I didn't realize, but I didn't put together that the election is perfectly timed for when the university students are still actually in university. But the oil patch is just coming into breakup, and farmers are just starting uh, to get on the field. So, isn't that uh, oh. isn't that convenient? Yeah, cultivating and seeding is going to be happening here pretty soon. Yeah, uh, and I guess what is the election is? Well, at the time of filming this, it is. 14 days away. So yep. halfway yeah, done. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kian, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for being so generous with your time. I know you're just as busy as I am with this election. Um, it's a big job covering the other side of the story. Um, it's a dangerous job sometimes covering the other side of the story. Um, so thanks. And I will catch up with you later. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Sheila. Thanks. There are just two weeks left in this Alberta election campaign, and I guarantee you it is going to get weirder and sleazier and dirtier, and the mainstream media is going to continue to abdicate their responsibility to you to tell you both sides of the story. And that is why Kian and I are going to be working right down until the final vote is cast here in Alberta to tell you the other side of the story. Right now, we're crisscrossing the province, getting out those beautiful orange stopnotly.com signs, and we're out there talking to real people, actual voters in places Notley doesn't like to think about, out there in rural Alberta. Now, if you want a chronology of the failures of Rachel Notley over the last four years that the mainstream media just refuses to talk about now, be sure to pick up my new book, Stop Notley, The Case for Throwing Out the NDP. I checked yesterday and it was the number one political book in the country on Amazon.ca. And every day that it stays on the best seller list is another day that the NDP hearts are breaking. Now, Thank you to everybody at home who has already supported what we do here by getting one of those stopnotly.com signs and buying the book. We couldn't do what we do here without the generous help and support from all of you at home. 
Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the very same place next week. And by then, we'll have just one week left in the election campaign. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. Thank you.